welcome to episode 71 of From the Shed Then podcast with myself, T. Dot, as always. Theo, how are you doing? Yeah, not bad. I feel like I've um, got a bit more energy than you since you're recovering from a, a bad cold. But um, but yeah, not bad. A uh, bit of stress on my side, having to move out of my flat soon and a new job. So kind of all that onboarding stress that goes with a new job. But other than that, going out for some nice runs, end of October. So still a bit of daylight come the end of your, your work shift. And um, yeah, just uh, enjoying the Chelsea performances. Gutted we didn't win yesterday, but we'll touch upon that soon. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. So I was going to say, you know, added stress, but then you watch Chelsea versus Brentford and then it adds more stress to your life as well. But um, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, um, like you said, just sort of recovering from whatever this horrible cold, um, whatever I've got. But yeah, just, you know, usual stuff, really. Um, we'll get on to the game. But before we do that, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel and again, go to Apple podcast um apple and spotify podcast make sure you go back and listen to all the previous episodes that we've done on there um social accounts as well at the bottom so make sure you give them a follow but let's let's get straight into last night's game because i expected changes i didn't expect five changes i thought that was quite a lot due um from from graham potter in terms of who he rested and who he brought into the team but what was your initial thoughts on the lineup going into that game um Yes, we know. You know, we knew that Thiago Silva was potentially going to be rested, and the likes of Aubameyang, Sterling. But was you surprised by any of the, the the players that did feature or did start the game yesterday? I mean, there was no real surprises with Thiago Silva. He's one of those players where we need to keep him absolutely, you know, ready for those big games. And United on Saturday is a big game, so he did feature against um, Villa as well. So it makes sense to rest him midweek. We've got another midweek fixture next week in the Champions League, so. Not playing him makes complete sense. I was a bit surprised that Chilwell didn't even feature at all in the squad, not even on the bench. But then Potter did mention that he is still recovering from an ACL injury. Um, we have to remember that it's his first you know, couple months of football since uh, almost this time last year, I think. So, um, so yeah, we, we can't really risk him and give him you know, 90 minutes of football every other game. But that's why we've got Cucurella in. Um, very surprised not to see Pulisic feature. He was a player that hasn't featured at all since the 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 3-0 win over Wolves where he did score. And I thought him coming off the bench, he had a big impact on the game and looked really lively and sharp. So he's a player that I think could have maybe potentially started from the off. And then the one that just didn't make sense for me is Gallagher. Why start him if he was ill? Um, like uh, Potter mentioned at uh, full time, um, I don't know if he was ill or didn't feel well after the game had kicked off, but surely the symptoms were there. So... I don't think that was a tactical change. I mean, if it was a tactical change, it's maybe embarrassing for Gallagher, but if he was ill and needed to come off, then just don't risk starting him. But other than that, resting the players like Raheem Sterling and Aubameyang and Thiago Silva and keeping those players fresh for um, for United on a Saturday makes complete sense to me. Yeah, it was... Um, I mean, I did the, when I did the preview, uh, I kind of would love to have seen maybe Patrick Aubameyang and Sterling start that game. And I think I get we need to rest. I get the rotation. I get that it's a, a massive, you know, congested season already and that there's loads of fixtures coming up. There's a World Cup coming up in a couple of weeks as well. So I get all the rotation, but I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't, I went into that game and I, I saw Kai Havertz, Armando Broja, who we'll get onto as well shortly. I, you know, I've seen them too and I thought, ah, it could be, I mean, this is going to go one of two ways. We're either going to do really well 
and they're going to prove me wrong or they're going to either not create as many chances as they should and maybe miss a couple of really good chances, which I feel like they did during that game. But I don't think, I mean, Conor Gallagher, I think is a, I agree with you, it's a strange one. I think obviously symptoms must be there. You don't just become sick, you know, 15 minutes and then it just suddenly comes on. If it is, then surely, you know, you take some sort of anti-sickness or whatever um, before the game. But, you know, if he's ill, then it's unfortunate for him. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I thought was, a, a again, a, you know, I wanted to see him in midfield and we got to see him more on that right wing back, which I, I get, it, you know, Reese James is injured. Aspilicueta can't really play there as such. And who else can you put there bar maybe Raheem Sterling, who, again, I didn't really like at the weekend against Aston Villa playing in that position. So I just feel like we lose something in midfield when Ruben Loftus-Cheek isn't there. And obviously Gallagher coming off, Kovacic coming in. It just... It, it, it just seemed a bit of a mixed bag yesterday. Um, so I, I get the changes. I get I get why we needed to do them. But sometimes, you know, you've got to just stick with what you know. Maybe maybe make those changes during the game, in my opinion. And I think, you know, Graham Potter as a manager is obviously more qualified than I am. But sometimes you've got to make those changes, I think, in the game as opposed to make them, you know, start at the game. Uh, I, did, I didn't really agree with that myself. But... We have to talk about Brentford, first of all, as well, because I feel like Brentford set up really well. Um, obviously, they, they kind of almost matched us like for like in formation. You know, they they done well, had that five at the back of pretty much most of the game. Um, allowed, didn't really allow us to to play the game we probably wanted to. Um, you know, it kind of made us have to go out to the to the wing wing back areas more often than not, take shots on that weren't available. Um, what was your thoughts on Brentford? Yeah, like you said, I thought they were superb. When you go to the Brentford Community Stadium, no matter Brentford's form, it's going to be a tough game. It's really going to be a tough game. They beat Brighton 2-0 last week or over the weekend. And then the week before that, they lost, I think it was 5-1 to Newcastle. So it was kind of an inconsistent, you know, this Brentford team has been very hit and miss lately. But when you go, you, you travel to Brentford, you go to the Community Stadium, it's going to be a tough fixture no matter what. We did so well to win 1-0 there last season with that Ben Chilwell goal. And Mendia, you have to remember, was on fantastic, fantastic form, just like Kepa mm. last night. But like you said, I think they were very compact defensively. They didn't really allow us to get into the, their penalty box uh, a lot of times. I think it was Ethan, Ethan Pinnock put in some really big blocks. And he was probably second man of the match after Kepa. Likewise with their keeper, David Rea. He was uh, he made some fantastic saves, particularly for Carney Chukul Mweka. I'll get there, I'll get there. <laughs> um, a big save for Carney, um, to deny Carney at the end. And um, yeah. I thought, yeah, they were very good. Uh, I think any other day that game could have been a 1-0 to Brentford. It could have been a 1-0 mm. to Chelsea. So in a way, it felt like a draw was deserved. Obviously, as a Chelsea fan, you're gutted because you're dropping two points. But it's one of those ones where sometimes you just have to think maybe a nil-nil is a fair result at the end of the day. Or, But um, but yeah, credit to Brentford. They, they set up really well. They were compact defensively. Um, lucky as well that M- M- Mbumo missed a, quite a big sitter as well with that header he had. And uh, lucky as well that we didn't really give Tony too many chances other than the two headers he had. Yeah, I was just about to say about Mbumo because I think he missed the, the goal of the sure. game, wasn't it? I think, you know, he should really put that away. Either side of Kepa and it's a goal. But I think we have to credit Kepa. I think you just said, you know, arguably the man of the match. I thought he 
you know, he's obviously proven to to Graham Potter, um, a lot of Chelsea fans, you know, including myself at some point, you know, who questioned his ability, questioned if he was the right man at Chelsea. And he's clearly putting in these performances now, you know, he's playing with a lot of confidence and, you know, it's unfortunate for, for Mendy because, He's just, he's just got injured at the wrong time. You know, he's got injured. New manager comes in. Kepa's playing in the form of his life, doing really well. Um, I, I, you know, I do I do think Kepa has matured as a, as a goalkeeper. I think on and off the field. I think he's show, showing levels that we know or knew that he had in him, you know, when we signed him. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Um, what do you think about the fact that Obviously, with this dilemma, not just in the goalkeeper area. I mean, we we will talk about Kante, Jorginho as well later on. But what do you think about going forward? Because obviously, Graham Potter seems to like goalkeeper. He likes to play it from the back. So, if you had to pick one of the two, it looks like Kepa's the one that he's going to favour more. He's a bit more better with his feet playing out from the back. But what does that spell for for Mendy if if that is the case? I mean, football, there's going to be chances for both keepers to play and all you need maybe is Mendy to play the cup game against City that's coming up in November, put in a big performance and that might change Potter's mind. Or after the World Cup, um, there'll be a lot of FA Cup games and that kind of a similar spell for one of the two keepers. Um, But for now, there's no reason to drop Kepa. He's been fantastic. I think it was the Amazon Prime Video um, Sports um, pundits were comparing him to almost like an elastic band with the way he just stretches up to deny those headers. I'm really impressed as well of how he closes down space and how quickly he comes off his line um, in those one-on-one situations, which I think we saw in the second half of the of the the, the Brentford Chelsea game last night. So I think, like I said in the previous episode, it's healthy competition for both keepers. We have to remember as well we've got a new goalkeeper coach. I think this summer with that came along with Potter, so maybe that's helped um, Kepa develop as well and learn more from him. Um, but yeah, there'll be chances for both keepers. But for now, I think we have to stick with Kepa. He's kept five clean sheets in a row, I believe. Um, yeah, and that's eight it. starts, five clean sheets. And it's not just clean sheets where you're just kind of there just to make up the numbers and just catch the easy balls. It's clean sheets where he's made some big, big saves to deny players and got us the three points at times. So um, so yeah, credit to Kepa. And I think we've just got to stick with him now. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it'd be, it'd be silly to to change goalkeepers for the sake of it. And I'm sure if it was the other way around, which it has been at times where Mendy's been the goalkeeper that's been playing in form and Kepa has just been sat waiting for his moment and he's, he's taken out. But I want to talk about Trevor Chalabar because in the preview, I said, you know, Thiago Silva, brilliant uh, centre-back. We know that will be, you know, 38 years of age, still playing at the top of his game. But I look at Trevor Chalabar and he's, I think he's ready. I think he's ready to... To, to make a mark and a claim to be a regular star. And by regular, I mean someone who could easily, you know, even in the back four, you could potentially play, you know, Chalabar ahead of Kulabali alongside Thiago Silva. He's, he looks ready. Um, you know, first to every ball yesterday, you know, any ball that came into the box, you know, he was confident enough to get rid of it. What What's your thoughts on Trevor Chalabar becoming a, a more regular player for, for Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, all Chelsea fans know how good he is as a player, how mature he is for his age. And he just needs that consistent game time, which we saw, I think, this time last year with him. And then I think come January, he was featuring more, less regularly and a bit more sporadically. But um, but no, he's really matured into a great player. Um, versatile as well. He can play all, all down that back three and the back two as well. Um, 
DM. Uh, definitely DM as well. That's something we saw, I think, when he was on loan at Lorient. Um, and uh, yeah, we have to remember Silva's 38. Uh, Quetta is, what, 33, 34 now. We don't have that long with these players left. Maybe max another season of them. But I think we're going to have to look into the future and rather than just splash out on you know another Fafana who's going to cost us 80-something million, we should definitely nurture Chalaba. And I really hope Potter sees a great player in him now that um, he's featured in the last couple of games since Fafana's got that injury against um, AC Milan at home. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. I like him. I like him. There's a lot to to um, to see the qualities in him. You know, you can see them already. We got to see that, like I said in the preview, we got to see a lot of that last season. Um, I just think the consistency needs to come now, and I think he'll get there. I think he'll get it. You know, I don't. You know, again, you know, unfortunate to Fafana um, for the injury that he's picked up, but this could be his moment now to get into that team um, on a more regular basis. But another sort of, you know, that I, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't sure on was, was Brozhov starting the game, who I thought played well. I think he definitely gave Ben me a nightmare of a, for especially the first half. I mean, you know, t- t- 10 years from now, I think Brozhov stays down when Ben me takes him down. I mean, so it could have been a red card. It should have been a VAR moment, in my opinion. But I just feel like Brozhov, I think maybe... Maybe the fan base are expecting a bit much from Brojo. We've got to remember his age still. You know, he's still relatively young. He's still learning his his trade as a footballer. There's good signs about him, but I do feel there's things that, you know, as a striker, I'm just not seeing in him. But I think that's just due to his development. I think, what's your thoughts on Brojo and his performance last night? Yeah, I think it was a good, good, performance it wasn't remarkable it wasn't it didn't blow me you know blow me away but we have to remember that was his first start for Chelsea this is his first full season for Chelsea in the Premier League um like you said I thought he did really well for that one chance to get ahead of Ben Mee even though Ben Mee was in front of him to start off and any other day if he stays down I think Vaz got seriously looks at that and possibly gives a red card to Ben Mee but I think the fact he gets back up um almost yeah it saves it saves bed me in a way but um but yeah i think uh it was a deserved start as well all the other cameos he's had has been off the bench particularly and particularly that what particularly that one against walls where he took that goal really well so i think it was a deserved start i think maybe we had high expectations from with him starting given how he's performed in the previous games but he is still quite raw he is still quite young it is his full his first full season at chelsea in the premier league so we don't have to our expectations can't be too high of him yet, but um, I think he's definitely that choice to have uh, amongst maybe Havertz and Aubameyang to play as a striker for sure. I'm glad you brought him up because I was just about to bring up Kai Havertz who, for me, I just, I mean, I feel like we spoke about him in depth on here uh, previously, but I just, I'm going to be honest, I've not seen anything. I'm not seeing any improvement. I don't see anything that he offers. No, I do in glimpses and I'm, I'm talking, you know, very minimal moments in games where he might make a really good run or he takes on a player or he might score, he might do something a bit. It's not enough. And last night was one of those games where he was on the, the, the for me, he was on the pitch 20 minutes too long. You know, mm. I think he was, he should have been subbed off a bit earlier. Um, he, yeah, I don't want to single him out because he, you know, I think he did do, in, uh, he'd done enough in that game yesterday. To, to put himself in the right position. I think even for one of the goals, it might have been when Brozier was pulled down, actually. And I think he was in the box and it's almost a tapping for Havertz if he reads the 
reads the game a bit better. But it's his third season now, and I'm still not really impressed by him. I'm not seeing anything where I think, right, I can see the progression. I can see that he's actually trying to do something. He's, you know, he's he's going to carry this team the next couple of seasons. He might be the person to carry the team. I, I don't get any of that from Kai Havertz. And even sometimes his body language I'm seeing now, I just think, does he know that his time's up? Does he want out? It, it just something doesn't feel right with Kai Havertz, in my opinion. What, what what do you think? I thought he was poor yesterday. Like you said, um, he stayed on the pitch for far too long. Obviously, that's Potter's decision, but I think the sub was made um, with Aubameyang coming on at the 80th minute. Mm-hmm. And that could have easily been done at the 60th minute, I think, having Raheem, um, Raheem Sterling, Aubameyang and um, Pulisic on, the, uh, on together at the same time would have really brought some kind of dynam- um, dynamic football like we saw at Glim- um, towards the, in the last 20 minutes or so. But yeah, his body language is poor at times. I thought, you know, the goal he scored against Wolves, I didn't mention it in our, our post-match uh, review of that game. I thought it was lucky. It was a good header, but it was almost Saar just doesn't move. Um, and I think he needs to offer more. He does need to offer more, not just um, getting himself in the positions, but actually creating chances for himself, which I don't think he does enough at times. Mm-hmm. And it almost felt like yesterday he was already thinking about Germany and the World Cup and wasn't fully committed or didn't want to commit in case he got injured or in case, you know, something may happen. But um, but I think it is the season now. Like you said, it's his third season where our expectations are very high of it, uh, high with him. Um, every player's got that number nine who who's guaranteed at least 15 goals a season, whether that be Carrie Kane, Gabriel Jesus, um, Liverpool, now Salah starting to find form again. We don't really have that. I think we all thought it'd be Havertz this season, but it's not. It's not going to be Havertz. He's only got, I think, two goals this season against a very poor West Ham and Wolves side. And we need to really kind of get him to perform. And I think the way to get him to perform is almost to drop him off, drop him out of the team, favour Aubameyang, favour maybe Sterling, favour Brozier, and then make him know that your place in the starting lineup is not guaranteed. And when he gets that chance back in, which could have been yesterday, just give it your all, you know, prove, prove to people that you are the player that can get us those, those 15 goals that we can rely on in these type of games. But I completely agree. We were chatting about it on WhatsApp. I thought he was probably our, our poorest player on the pitch yesterday in terms of performance. And I don't think he'd, he's kind of showed anything or warranted a start against uh, United on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a strange one because I feel like he's got the qualities to be a really good footballer at Chelsea, but I just don't, I honestly don't see it. And there's only so long as, as Chelsea fans, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans are losing patience, but there's only so long we can kind of say, you know, we, we want to see that improvement in him. I think we should be seeing it by now. And if we're not seeing it three years into his Chelsea career, he's had three different managers, okay, that's probably not helped him, but I still, I just don't see it. And I, I want it to be, I, you know, I want to be wrong. I want him, I want him to prove me wrong, but I just don't see how he fits into this Chelsea team, especially going forward, especially if we bring another, you know, attacking players um, next summer. But I do agree with you. I think the World Cup is not just on Havertz, but I think there's a lot of players now that are starting to think, you know, you're seeing the likes of Diego Jota and obviously, you know, Kante's missing the World Cup. You're seeing a lot of these these players who potentially wanted to play in this World Cup not going. You do think, I mean, it could work in, again, work in two ways. Does he actually want to go to the World Cup? because he's got to be performing well to go there. But also, yeah, of course, he doesn't want to get injured, but to go to the World Cup, surely you've got to play well for your club. So it's a catch-22 for him. But um, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think, you know, it doesn't really... I, I wouldn't see him starting, which we'll, we'll get onto in a minute. 
starting against Manchester United. I just I just don't see it. But I want I want to talk about Chukwemeka. Well, I think I've said his name right. Hopefully, I've said his name right. But I want to because I thought he came on. He he looked good. He looked really good. That's the first time I've really. Well, I mean, I watched him a few times for Villa, but this is the first time I've watched him and thought, yeah, I like I like him. He looks like a really good player. Unfortunate not to score, I think, near the end of the game as well. But he looks big, powerful, strong. I hate using those buzzwords, but he looks like that sort of player that can take on players. And I, I was a bit confused about what role he was actually going to play when he came on. Um, what did you think of him when, when he, he eventually came on the pitch? I thought if we were going to get a goal in that game, it would have been when I think Pulisic and Carney came on at the same time because I thought that changed the game and it was almost we were the more dominant side after that. Like you said, there's still kind of areas of his game where he could improve. There were times where the ball kind of rolled past him in the penalty box where he could maybe just have a little burst of movement to get those kind of loose balls. But I thought other than that, his, his, he, was, he was a very solid cameo, very unlucky not to score at the end. Uh, he like you said, those buzzwords, they they do sound quite cliche nowadays in football, but he is big, he is strong. He is, I think, a quite smart footballer for his age as well. And um, I think he's got a very bright future at Chelsea as well. And I think it's one of those transfers that almost went under the radar. But I think this time next year, we'll be almost thinking, you know, what signing that was if he does kind of get this game time under the potter that he needs to develop. I think if he can escape maybe the kind of the loan system and get, you know, lost out on loan to a championship type side or a lower Premier League side and actually feature more regularly in the Premier League for Chelsea, then I think that could really help him develop. And I think, yeah, from what I saw yesterday, there are signs there that he can definitely start for Chelsea at times in these type of games where we do, you know, we do need a player that can... Um, that can uh, fill out those, those those midfield positions. And I think, like you said, it was quite, I was quite lost when he came on where he was playing because it was still Kovacic and Jorginho in midfield. But I think Carney was maybe higher up the pitch, yeah. which kind of maybe he's more of an offensive midfielder, maybe a number 10 or a box-to-box potentially. But I thought, yeah, it was a very solid performance. And I'm always one of those players that kind of, kind of excites you when he comes on because I didn't maybe watch him as much as you when he was at Villa, but I don't know too much about him. But from what I've seen so far, it's exciting. It definitely is. And the, as well, when he came on against Wolves um, a few weekends ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's strange because obviously we still haven't seen Dennis Zakaria, who, and I have to give him the honourable shout out every every episode I'm doing now because I'm, I'm still struggling as to how he's, I mean, surely his contracts will be, or his loan deal will be, will be, questioned or terminated come January because he's on the bench you know we need a goal he's probably not the person you'd want to bring on but at the same time as well you can I just don't know what he's got to do to get a game uh, I really yeah. don't uh, I'm waiting for that Twitter account to be created days and since um Zacharias played, <laughs> played, played football or something like that because uh yeah I think he looked at the sound move at least he was getting the odd game or the odd minutes in the games but i think with the depth we have in midfield and it looks like potter's i think we mentioned in the previous episode potter's now favored carney over zachariah mm. then i think uh, it could easily be cousins for him at chelsea in uh, in january i i, I mean I'm, I'm trying to think has there ever been a loan or a player that's played or been signed to chelsea and, and not even at least i think even Quarez. Koresma, Pato, Falcao, all those players, they they played two, at least two games, I think. Yeah. But, I don't um, I I had to if someone can in the description just let us know because I, I personally don't think there's ever been a Chelsea player um during our time where this has happened. I really I can't remember the last time it's happened. Yeah, and so 
we won't have any football to play kind of between almost mid November and mid December. And then mm. next thing you know, it's January. So um, yeah. there's not a lot of games left before January to make our decision on whether he stays or whether he goes back to Juventus. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. We, we, we spoke about Manchester United. Let's, let's talk about them. Um, I haven't got the best of records against them, but what's your thoughts going into this game? We're going to do our predicted lineup in a minute, but what's your thoughts going into the game? I mean, like we were saying, um, as we were waiting to go live, we haven't beaten United in the league since November 2017, where an Quetta cross found Alvaro Morata, Morata and he got a nice header in. So a lot's changed since then. Um, but yeah, I think it's one of those games where no matter United's form, sometimes we just always seem to bottle it. Um, yeah, he deserves a chance, Zachariah. That's my my brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do think he, does, he, does, he deserves a chance for sure. Um, but it's whether he'll get it with Potter or maybe since he wasn't a Potter signing, maybe he won't um, he won't feature as regularly. But going back to United, it's I'm I'm kind of nervous. They played very well against Tottenham last night. Um, mm. Bruno Fernandez, almost a very inconsistent player with his performances and his body language when they're playing well, is great. And when they're not playing so well, just seems to to kind of go go out go in the bin. But um, but yeah, tricky. It's going to be a tricky game. I'm glad that we're at home when we play them because I can't see us losing at home with you know how solid we've been defensively. And I think Thiago Silva will feature again. But in terms of United, they, they're slowly finding their stride now. There were some impressive statistics about them last night. Uh, Anthony, Bruno, Rashford slowly starting to find his feet again. Um, I feel like uh, maybe even Martial might be fit for the weekend. I'm not too sure. And then you also got Ronaldo. You know you know what Ronaldo can bring. Obviously, he's not the same Ronaldo that we, we were seeing a couple of seasons ago. But, you know, he'll, he'll be up for the occasion for sure should he feature but um, but no, I'm nervous. But I can't see us losing. I think it will be a draw or a Chelsea win. Well, when we before we came on, that was one of the things we said was you know the amount of draws that we've had at Stamford Bridge against Manchester United. You know, not beating them since 2017, like you said, um, Morata's header. Um, I'm confident uh, more more so than I should be, which is a bit weird. I don't feel I don't feel like I should be this confident going into these kind of games, but. Um, I think the fact that we've rested quite a lot of players, you know, we we did, you know, rested arguably, you know, our best centre-back in Thiago Silva. Um, I feel like Patrick Aubameyang will have something to prove in this game, the same with Raheem Sterling. I'm expecting these sort of players to, to step up. You know, Mason Mount, okay, he came off after the hour mark uh, last night, but I think that was probably another tactical thing from Graham Potter to, to give him that rest ahead of this big game on Saturday. Um, I do, I do agree with you 100%. I feel like United has slowly quietly doing their business uh, you know in the league and they're just getting these wins and no one's really talking about them as much um you know obviously i know ronaldo i think stormed off before the game was done yesterday which if i if we have anyone who's watching this remembers i did say he's a problem and I, this is probably why i wouldn't have chelsea but um i'd be impressed i'd be impressed if he starts or even features in the game against against us um i think his days are done at united if i'm honest i, feel, I don't think ronaldo's got I mean, he's completely fell out with Ten Hag. Um, in a way, that could probably work in our favour. I mean, it could disrupt the next couple of days for them, you know, going into those training training camps and, and you know, training every day and having that sort of hanging over your head as a manager and a, a player that doesn't want to be there could actually work in our favour. Um, 
But I do agree with you. I think the, the likes of, you know, Rashford's playing really well. Bruno Fernandes looks a totally different player without Ronaldo, you know, sh- screaming down his ear. You know, um, he looks like a really good player. Um, and even defensively, I think they look really good, which, again, we haven't really said that about a United team under Oli or, you know, any of the other previous managers. So um, I, I, I'm confident that we should get something. I don't Like you said, I don't think we'll lose, but I, we, we really need to win that this game mm. we really do because of the the fixtures we've got coming up and you look at the other teams around us as well um you know spurs obviously arsenal sit on top of the table manchester city that we know was just churn out results regardless uh you know united i think are only a point maybe or so behind us now so you know it's a it's a big game on saturday massive game yeah it's one of those games as well if you want to be top four or competing to win the league yeah, sure, they're a, they're a direct rival, but you still need to be winning these games if you want to stand a chance. And that's what we did in our Premier League winning seasons. We won these type of games, United at home, Liverpool at home, City at home even. So, so yeah, I can't see us losing, like you said, but I think it's going to be a big, big um, effort from all of us, from all the Chelsea players that play to, to get the three points on Saturday, however. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I agree 100%. Um yeah, this isn't, again, this isn't my team. This is the team that is populated. But let's try and put what maybe what lineup we might see on Saturday um, versus Manchester United. Obviously, the first thing is first, would you would you go with a back, the three centre-backs? Would you go with your, your two wing-backs or would you revert back to a, a back four? Um, obviously, I think United play four at the back, don't they? Um, they, t- they tend to try and play with that four at the back, but... Is this a game where we need to try and match them, um, or, or would you would you stick with what we did last night and have the likes of Ruben Loftus Cheek or Raheem Sterling as your right wing back? I would. I think I'd stick with a back three and have the wing back options. Um, and there's always that Potter seems to sometimes change things halfway through games or in the second half and go back go back to a, revert back to a back four. But um, I think I'll go for the back three. Um, I would. St- remove Aspi, however he did play the 90 minutes uh, um, last night and I'd swap him out for for Silva I think that makes complete sense obviously Silva didn't feature yesterday so he's had almost a a full week now to rest and this is these other type of games we need Silva in the big games Um, and I think um, sometimes you'll put in those blocks that can get us the three points or rescue something from games Um, and then I definitely play him alongside uh, Koulibaly and Chiloba like seen on the screen what about left wing back? Because obviously Ben Chilwell, who's coming back, and like I think you said it earlier, you know, he's coming back from you know a massive injury. These these injuries can, you know, end your career almost. Um, you never come back as the player that you once was. So would you? And obviously he didn't play yesterday. He didn't even he wasn't even on the bench. But would you stick with Kukurea or with the that you know playing a Manchester United team and having that defensive mindset? Would you probably stick with? Chilwell, who for me is a bit more defensive. Um, yes, he gets forward just as much as Kukurea, but I do feel defensively Ben Chilwell would possibly be the best at left wing back. Well, what's your thoughts? I think I'd go with Ben Chilwell. Like you said, he's that more maybe defensive option, which we'll need against United. We can't commit too many bodies forward. And also we rested him last night. He wasn't even on the bench. And I think, sure, he's recovering from that ACL. But I also think that's because we have United in mind on Saturday and he's probably likely to feature. So um, I think I'd go with um, Ben Chilwell. And we do have to also remember he is a threat going forward at times. And he did get as a, I think he scored in 
four or five goals, um, four or five games in a row, I think, start of last season or when he did feature last season. So, um, yeah, and I do agree with Gorilla has has been slightly poor recently. Um, I think his performance against Villa in the first half, you mentioned it in your your review. Um, I think Matty Cash and Leon Bailey were kind of all over him and getting forward and getting ahead of him. So I think um, it's time maybe to give him a rest and start well on Saturday. And that, to give him his credit, that was at left centre-back, which True. I'm not a, I'm not in favour of seeing him in, in that role again because I know he can play there, but it just didn't didn't suit him at all. He looked like a headless chicken um, running around. But I do agree, he's definitely not... I think he's not put in the performances that we would potentially have expected from him when he signed for the club. Even in his natural sort of left-back or left-wing-back position, he's still not you know, pulling up trees. So I think he he has to be... Not, not that he has to be careful, but I think, you know, very much like when it was Alonso and Chilwell, you know, there is healthy competition for that position. And I think, you know, Chilwell, especially, you know, um, over the next couple of months or so, hopefully he gets back to the level that he was before his injury. You know, it could be an interesting, um, you know, debate between the two of them, who who starts ahead of who um, going forward. But I do agree that he's he's got to be putting in some better performances if he wants to retain that position. Um, yeah, whilst, I was just going to mention... Chilwell, probably one of those players that wants to make the the squad for the World Cup and maybe yep. has even hinted to Potter, please limit my game time so I can try to be fit for the World Cup and not risk another injury, but do obviously give me the game time I need to show Southgate that I'm ready to play in the World Cup. So I think that may have played a part in him not featuring yesterday too. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Um, midfield, I've gone for the two, two midfield, um, Kovacic and Jorginho, or well, I haven't, but that's what the... The, the screen is showing us at the moment. Would you would you change at all? Um, obviously, we've got Ruben Loftus Cheek currently at left uh, right wing back, but I mean, I, I <laughs> it's a hard one because I love Ruben Loftus Cheek in midfield. But if you move him into midfield, who do you put at right wing back? Um, I, I just think he's 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 limited playing in that that rim, right wing back role. And I'd much prefer to see him in the midfield with the energy that he's got. But what's your thoughts? No, I completely agree with you. It almost feels like Reese James's injury has forced Blosters Cheek to play in that position. Uh, he's, I wouldn't risk Asper Quetta I don't think he has the legs anymore to play right wing back, um, which kind of means he's the one, one option at the moment at right wing back. And that for, means we have to play a double pivot of Kovacic and Jorginho in midfield. Um, agree with you. I love seeing Loftus-Cheek in midfield, particularly since Potter's taken over. He's put in some brilliant performances there. But I think given the circumstances and the injuries, um, I'd go with a midfield of Kovacic and Jorginho, which is what we saw in um, pretty much all the Brentford game yesterday, seeing that Gallagher was forced off early. Yeah, and it worked. It did work. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not ideal. Um, but I think out of our midfield options, I think that is probably the best that we have at the moment. Um unless we want to play Zachariah, who, you know, um, doesn't seem to be getting a sniff at anything at the moment. So um, I think that's the two that I would go with as well. I think, you know, Kovacic gives you that energy going forward. And like I've always said, you know, I like the fact that Jorginho um, does a lot of that dirty work as well that sometimes goes unnoticed during games. And I know he's a, you know, he's a Marmite for a lot of the fan base, you know, you either love him or you hate him, but I think he does a lot of that dirty work, um, very similar to Kante, um, who, Let's let's quickly talk about Kante. Obviously, being out for for four months, um, 
what does that mean for Kante? Because I mean, obviously, you know, no real talk of a contract that we know of, uh, very similar to, to Jorginho as well. But for four months, I mean, he's basically missed the, the remainder of this season now. Um, you know, would you offer him a new contract? Would you would you allow him to leave on a free at the end of the at the end of the season? Or you know, what does it spell for Kante now? It's so hard to offer a player a contract when he's injured for four months because they you can't really see what he's capable of doing on the pitch at the moment. He, he's not putting any performances that makes the manager think, go to the board and say, give him a new contract. Uh, Potter's never seen him probably in training or um, or um, on the pitch as well. And we said even before this big injury that um, when you, the last, I think maybe since that Europa League final, We've probably only seen Kante feature in about half our games every yeah. season since then. He is injury prone. Um, and when he goes down, you know that he's going down for the next month or so. So I don't know if this surgery he's having is going to fix those issues or if it's just uh, you know a recurring problem that he's facing. But um, I do worry that this could be Kante's last season and this injury has almost accelerated that, from that happening. But um, then again, like we saw in that first half of the Spurs game, he is so vital. He's like a clog in midfield that makes things work and he does all the dirty work, like you said. And when he went off in that second half injured, it all went to shit in a way in that Chelsea Spurs game and they got their two goals straight after. So he, he, when he does play well, he's our best player and you can't really replace him. But, um, but at the same time, maybe it's time to look ahead and think how can we build this Chelsea team without Kante and maybe that's looking at a player like uh, Kani Chukueka. So, um, so yeah, I think it's going to be very difficult. And I think come February when he recovers from the surgery, he won't be match fit either. He won't be match fit mm. come when he recovers. So there's possibility that he misses the whole season or only features maybe come April, May time. But it's going to be very difficult for him to, you know, earn that, that new contract that we struggle to give at times to players that are over 30 as well. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, another shouts that I, I sort of thought, especially before he got injured, was does he need to consider his international commitments and you know there are some players who do that you know to extend their club career you know they they retire from international football um get themselves another year or so in, in, in club football and then call it a day but I, I just wonder you know a lot of the time when he comes back or he gets injured is normally due to his international you know there was that whole period of where he was going on international duty with France coming back injured um you know comes back rushing back Recurring injury again, very similar to what I think's happened here. You know, he was on the road to you know recovery, rehabilitation was going really well, and then a massive setback. You know, puts you back four months. So whether that's the club rushing him or the fact that he's just, he's, I mean, he just seems like a player that's been wrapped up so much and you know done so well over the last couple of seasons that now it's you know finally taking its toll on him. Um, you know, but I, I do agree with you. It's difficult to give a player as much as he's world-class, as much as he's someone that we do miss, I, I struggle to see how you can offer someone a contract, especially for the length that he probably wants as well. Um, yeah, I, I struggle to see how you can do that. So again, it's one of those things very much like Thiago Silva. We need to start thinking, you know, beyond life of N'Golo Kante and potentially Thiago Silva and start thinking a bit, you know, outside the box a little bit more. But let's get back to the, the lineup. Um, I've gone for Mason Mount or in that sort of more central role that's where he is at the moment would you would you leave him there would you would you have that front three would you try and change any of the front three or would, would you leave it as it is i'd stick with that front three i think it's the front three that worked so well against um 
in the two legs against AC Milan, if I'm not mistaken. I do think mm. it's quite harsh on Pulisic because I think Pulisic had a big impact on the game yesterday, like I mentioned, and looked really sharp and almost like he was likely to score had we played another maybe five, ten minutes of that game. Um, so I think he'll feature whether it starts or comes off the bench because I do, as much as I like Sterling, he is very indecisive and sometimes takes a bit too long on the ball or a bit clumsy yeah. at times with his feet. But he is also a brilliant player and he can get those goals like we saw in the, the Salzburg game and uh, earlier in the season against Leicester. Um, but I think just for the kind of pace he can offer um, and experience as well, um, I think I would go with um, that front three of um, Aubameyang and Sterling with Mount slightly behind. Yeah, it's yeah, I agree with you as well. You know, Pulisic is is a player that when he comes on, he does look a bit electrifying, electrifying and he looks like he's going to be able to do something. Um, I agree with you as well, Sterling takes one or two many touches, doesn't he? Or he, he overthinks, overcomplicates something that could be so easy. Um, but it's the, the three that I want to see with the consistency. And uh, I mm -hmm. think, you know, Bamiang will complement Sterling and, and Sterling vice versa. Um, and I think Mount playing more central is potentially why we're seeing more from Mount. I think, you know, when he's stuck on that right side or he's, you know, almost playing as a, uh, you know, almost as a third, uh, you know, additional striker, it just doesn't suit him, you know? And I think he's, He's able to, to cause more chaos in that role that he plays um, just behind, you know, Sterling or Aubameyang. But I think he's, I think it's right. You know, I think it's good that he's coming into form at the way in at the time that he is. We, we definitely need him to do that a bit more often. But uh, yeah, I, I couldn't really look at another front three. And if we want to, you know, if we're talking about Graham Potter needing to know his best 11 and consistency. I think you do have to stick with that. Um, as long as Kai Havertz isn't playing, I think we I think we should be we should be in a good position. Um, but another player I want to quickly talk about before we wrap up is Hakim Ziyech, who has obviously come back from injury. Uh, don't think he's featured since maybe August, I think, for, for us. So um, yeah, I think Southampton was he hasn't he hasn't started since South Southampton away, has he? Yeah, yeah. Which you know it could be an opportunity to maybe not bring him in at the start, but definitely bring him on as a sub as a, an, another option going forward as well. Um, obviously, depending on how Conor Gallagher is, another option going forward as well. Chukwameka, who for me, you know, again, looked really good. And like you said, kind of played a bit more in that advanced midfield role, another option as well. So I think we've got options off the bench um, on Saturday. And I, I mean, I'm confident, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into the game confident. I like the line. Um, obviously, Kepra, keeping it retaining his place in goal um part of me thinks Potter's going to go to a back four and potentially do the four two 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 thing and maybe have mm. that hybrid right wing back as as Ruben Loftus-Cheek can do that but part of me thinks he's going to do that and it's really annoying because we don't know how Graham Potter's going to set up these teams um but I do like that lineup and I, I I'm not sure I'm not sure he saw the the sorry to interrupt I'm not sure he saw the manager interview between um Potter and Thomas Frank at the I end, I think at the end of the game, and I think Thomas Frank asked him that question, like, "Why do you yeah. change your lineup so often?" And yeah, so it kind of you don't know, you can't predict a, a Potter lineup no, for no. sure. And that's I think that's the first time I was, I was trying to work out yesterday again. Have I ever witnessed? Because I think they spoke before the game as well mm. together, and I've, I can't remember the, the. I don't think there's ever been a moment where I've seen both managers side by side, you know, doing a post and pre-match. Uh, discussion in the way that it was it worked as well works really mm. well so um yeah it's hard to predict and I, I like that as well it's unpredictable it keeps 
obviously Ted Hart guessing as well. But um, yeah, impressed and happy with that lineup. But before we go, always, we're going to do our predictions. So I'm going to let you go first. Um, I think you just said a draw before, didn't you? So I did say a draw. I think I'm um, going to have to do very, very good defensively, which we have to kind of keep that clean sheets, which we've gotten in the last five games. But I think with the attacking threat that we saw at United can you know, can offer against, uh, like they did against Tottenham. I think they, they've got a goal in them. But let, let's be confident say 2-1 Chelsea. I'm going to be confident. We're actually going to agree for once because I, I still think 2-1. I think I've said that quite a lot this season. But, um, yeah, I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet. I think, you know, United are a team that obviously got their tails up at the moment. They're doing really well. I think they'll score. Um, but I think we've got the the squad defensively and in attack to to definitely cause problems. We're at Stanford Bridge as well, which I think will help. Um, but yeah, I think regardless of the team, I think we've got enough about us on and off the bench to to beat them uh, on Saturday. Cruzbant is saying rotating the squad is good, but not at the expense of results and keeping people happy. What What's your response to that, Theo? Well, we've done very well rotating the squad um, with Potter. We've gotten the results that we needed. Um, obviously, yesterday was a bit of more of a struggle, um, resting the likes of Bamiyang, Sterling and Thiago Silva. But I think it is needed at times. Uh, we can't, maybe have we kept all those, have we not rotated the squad as much, we'd be seeing a higher injury list as well. So I think it yeah. does make sense at times. But I think like you mentioned, um, T, like maybe we wanted Bamiyang to feature at least a bit earlier or maybe... Uh, even start the game potentially yesterday. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a bit of a tricky one to talk about. Mm. I think it's hard because I think, you know, we either don't ret- rotate the squad and we end up with another Reese James, another Angolo Kante, you know, a long-term injury, another Ben Chilwell, or we do rotate, which is why we've got the five subs now as well. Um, I think rotation isn't the problem. I think it's the execution of the subs which has to be spot on and I think you know if we can get that right um and we've got to remember as well you know I'm, I'm seeing a lot on Twitter we didn't lose yesterday <laughs> we actually just we drew you know we actually got a point which I think yes we dropped two points I get that 100 but you've got to remember this is Graham Potter's first month in charge still he's still learning the team he's still learning tactically about Chelsea not in terms of football as a manager or a coach but at Chelsea still in his infancy so I think that the fact he's unbeaten still is a positive to take and we didn't lose yesterday and I think that's mm-hmm. you go on Twitter and I'm seeing meltdowns and I get it I get, I do get that but I just think we didn't lose yesterday and we actually didn't play poor we just didn't finish our chances which is like Groundhog Day so I do think the rotation helped um but yeah you know I think we've got we've got to we've got to remember that there's a lot of football to play as well um yeah, yeah, and I agree. That's why I said the execution of the subs is, is for me, is um, you know, it's, it's 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 key. You know, you've got to get those those subs right. The timing of the subs is is another thing as well. Bamian coming on with ten minutes to go is, you know, it's not going to affect, affect the game as such. So it's a difficult one, but I, I do I do understand what you're saying a hundred percent. It's another. It's a disgruntled fan there, but yeah. um, make some if very good only, points. Yeah, if he's only joining now, he can go back and listen to what we had to say yeah. earlier about Havertz potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't be, you won't be uh, disappointed anyway. But um, so you're going two one. I'm going to go two one. 
Um, I think it's going to be a really good game. Half five kickoff. Um, not sure if you'll go. Are you going to the game? Yeah, get... I'm going. I think I'm you're sitting going? on my own though. I've just got the single ticket, I think. Uh, listen, it, it, sometimes they're the best games. So Sometimes, fair, yeah. Enjoy, enjoy no no one to distract you. Yeah, exactly. You talk to yourself and just enjoy the game in peace. But um, enjoy the game anyway, regardless. Um, let's hope we get three points. And um, yeah, you know, really good positive result again. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But for anyone who's listening on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Give us a like. Let us know your thoughts in the comments as well. And go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and make sure you listen to all the previous episodes. And as always, make sure you follow the social accounts, which you can see at the bottom of the screen. Theo, as always, thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Therapy is over for another week. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with another podcast episode. This has been episode 71 of From the Shed End. Thank you very much for watching. Until next time, stay safe. And we'll be back next week.